Welcome to the Modern Contemplative Podcast. I'm your host, J. Randall Ori. Today, you're joining me in my favorite patch of woods once again. This time, I've decided to just kind of find a spot. I'm sitting on a big mossy green log in the middle of a kind of slow ambling creek. I don't know if you can hear the sounds. I'm going to bring the mic closer to the stream. Can you hear the trickle of water? Just a slow kind of calming and meditative flow. And I'm hearing the wind move through the trees. And the sun is kind of slanting in the early morning through the the canopy. It's cool. It's it's a, a pleasant temperature. It's just really a nice place to sit. It's kind of secluded. I can see a clearing and some benches a little ways away, but um, you know I'm kind of out. So I just decided today to sit. I might I might get up after a little bit. We'll see. I'm I'm an ADD kid, an ADHD kid. So sitting still has always been a struggle. Um, I think that's a big part of some of my struggles with anxiety and my inability to be still internally and externally. And that's also why contemplation has really um, come to me and helped me learn to become still and to be cleansed of a lot of that anxious energy that has really robbed me of peace and kept me from peace so I get long in my introductions and that's okay today though getting to the point today we're going to be talking about or just being introduced to these three centers of being I talked about them briefly in my last podcast about personal transformation and what is personal transformation so today I want to just give a an introduction and kind of try to whet your appetite for these three centers of being, what they are, how they work, and why it's important. Um, that's the question, you know, in anything, in any kind of information and knowledge and understanding. It's like, why does it matter? What good is it? How does it help us? And I think a lot of times, religion, I think we've come to a place in society where we're asking that question about religion. Like, what, what good is it? Is it really helping us? And I... I believe a lot of people are coming to the conclusion that not, not only is religion no longer helping us, it's actually hurting us. And that's, that's a stark and um, it's a sad realization. And I think there's a grieving there because religion is supposed to, it's supposed to help us. It's supposed to help us become healthier. And yet we see the reality that in many ways religion, and I, I would say the Christian religion, because that's my experience. The Christian religion has created so much unhealth in us individually, in us as a culture, and, and that's what we're wrestling with. And it, and we need to be honest. You know, I need to be honest. We all need to be honest to say that. You might hear in the background some people talking. That's okay. Other people enjoying the same nature I am. Anyway, I, I think. I'm going to be honest as a Christian. I'm going to tell you Christianity has been part of the problem sometimes. And I think we're waking up to that now in our 
Western society in America, we're, we're realizing the unhealth and we're wrestling as Christians, as people leaving Christianity, we're wrestling and we're also, I think, frustrated with a Christian religion that's unwilling to admit its unhealth. And so I'm here, I'm trying to be the person who's saying, yes, there's unhealth in Christianity, trying to point to it and trying to say, you know, let's call it out. Let's just say Christianity has created some very unhealthy people and some very unhealthy social issues. Admitting that is, is a good step. <clears throat> but I'm also here trying to tell you there's a different way that Christ taught us to know God and that is healthy. And that has to do with our centers of being. So let's get into that idea. Let's talk about that a little more. Um, <clears throat> as I've said, there's three centers of being. Um, the, there's the body, the soul, and the spirit. I'll just give a brief explanation. The body's center of being is just our physical self. It is how our physical self relates to the physical world. That's just, that's, it's what it was made for. Our body being center is made to relate to the physical world. Then we have our spiritual being center, and that is made to relate to the spiritual world. And so, you know, we can ask, here's an area where we may be more in the dark. What is the spiritual world? It's simply the, it's simply the reality of spirits. So God is a spirit. We have a spirit. You know, there are angels. And so <clears throat> spiritual, the spiritual reality is just the energy of our <clears throat> immaterial self and how it interacts with others. And again, maybe that's not clear. <clears throat> like, what is that even? But it kind of speaks to this invisible part of us, this felt part. Like, we, there's part of us that is real that is felt but not seen visibly like our emotions our mind our thoughts we experience this kind of energy in the world and that energy is more of the spiritual world now science and a extremely rational intellectual mind can just say oh that's just biological processes it's just our body and chemicals creating these feelings in the body and i understand that idea i understand how that can kind of thwart and truncate this idea of a spirit and some people that's the answer there is no such thing as a spirit we just there's just physical processes there's chemicals and hormones and that's what we call maybe the spirit but it's not true so I get that if that's where you're at I'm you know I understand that concept and that place but I'm telling you there we have a spirit and that spirit is the more immaterial <clears throat> it's how we can know things beyond the physical senses I talked about uh, some of the the knowing centers, I've mentioned that briefly, but we can just know things beyond what is rational. So that irrational sense of things that, that's beyond rational, I suppose, is our spiritual. And it's just made to react and interact in the spiritual world. It's how we can feel things. We, we sense things beyond what we see. Um, and then long explanation of the spiritual center of being but then there's the soul center of being and so I would I would compare the soul center of being to a sound system it it connects the spirit and body it helps bridge the gap it helps them communicate with each other it creates a flow but it also allows um, our three knowing centers to have input into that process and those are kind of all of our parts so the soul center just allows us to hear and experience things through our mind, heart, and body. 
and it, it's like the processor, right? Data's coming in through these experiential centers, knowing centers, into the soul. It registers like on a computer monitor in that soul, and then the spirit and body, who are our being centers, kind of help uh, translate and filter and understand all of that data. So that's kind of a nutshell of how all these parts of us work together and how that relates to the three centers of being. So um, I realize that's just a brief introduction. These ideas may sound weird. They may sound trippy. Uh, I call it hippie trippy. <laughs> but I'm just introducing the, these ideas, and we'll be exploring them much more in depth individually. Uh, the next podcast will be exploring each one of those three centers of being how they work and kind of what, what they're for. And, you know, trying to introduce you to these concepts. Um, but I want to get to this idea of even why I call these the three centers of being and why they're different than the three centers of knowing. Um, so I would call this uh, kind of a, a, the difference between being, knowing, and doing. And the flow between all these three actions in life. So I think that's pretty much what life is about. Life is about, or we can sum life up in the concept of being, knowing, and doing. These are just the three, the three actions of life or the three aspects of our lives. How we experience, how we live, and, and what constitutes life. So we're, we're human beings. We, we, we have a presence. There's just a, we have an identity or a person or a personhood that is our being. We occupy space in the world. And then there is knowing. It's it's knowledge and wisdom and understanding, and that's the action of knowing, which comes out of our presence of being. And then there is doing, which is what we do through our beings with our knowledge and understanding, how we put that into action. So there's these three aspects of who we are, they make up who we are, what we do, how we are, and, and kind of how we experience the world and how we interact with the world. But the point of the being centers is that <clears throat> there is a kind of there's a proper hierarchy or order to how all these work and the order is meant to be that everything flows from being our identity our, our personhood our value it all flows from being right but the issue is we can get those out of order we can try and form our identity in knowing or doing who am i and you i mean ask anybody if you meet someone for the first time, what do you say? You know, hey, I'm, J I'm, I'm Jason, I'm Mike. What do you do? That's what we ask. Almost the next thing is, who are you? Basically, what's your name? And then what do you do? Well, in our culture, what that really says is our culture is about doing. And we put doing as the center of identity, of personhood. But that's not right. And what, then what we really say is, I'm... I'm assessing and I'm valuing you based on what you do or can do or cannot do. And that's a dangerous place because then what does it say? Well, you're only valuable based on what you can do. And if you can't do, and, and even more so, you're only valuable based on what you can do for me. And then also the other side is what you do to me can make me hate you. If you don't do what I want, if you do what I don't want, then I'm not going to, not only will I not value you, I'm going to actually try to eliminate you possibly. And here's, here's where a lot of conflict comes because we're, <clears throat> we're evaluating people based on doing. And that leads to a lot of conflict and dysfunction in the world because 
what you do is how I value you. And so if, and it's what you do to me actually, or how I perceive what you do as good or bad, even even more. And so if you're doing what I perceive as bad, then I don't have to value you in a good way. I can actually devalue you. I can actually even work for your demise. You know, we might call this a nemesis concept, right? Or just an enemy. And, and I love this. Jesus said, love your enemies. What he's really saying is there's no such thing. In love, there's no such thing as an enemy. There's no nemesis. There's no one against you. So, and, and, but that's only, we can only speak that truth from a place of being when we understand what it means to be a person and to live out of being instead of doing or knowing. And so we see how when we get that out of order, it creates, it creates a lot of dysfunction. So it's important to understand our being centers, but just the, even the idea that being is the essence of who we are, what brings us value. And like being is just, I talked about this in the last podcast, just being who you are. Like not, not defined by anything else but that, which means you're not defined by what you do or what you know. And look, those things come and go. I, I broke my hand, um, it's probably four, I'm sorry, six months ago perhaps. Um, I broke the third metacarpal. I mean, dead center of my palm. I was holding a ram set, which is a construction tool that shoots nails into concrete. It literally uses a 22 cartridge to shoot a nail into concrete. I was holding it by the barrel, which, which you're not supposed to do. Luckily, it didn't have a nail. But the cartridge had gotten, or it was loose, it wouldn't go in. in the, I'm sorry. The bullet, which is just a blanket, it wouldn't go into the cartridge. And so... Um, I was trying to tap the top and get it to go in more, and it, it's, a, it's got a trigger, but it somehow ignited the, the blasting cap, and it sent a 22 caliber force of air through my hand. It didn't, it did break the skin on the inside a little bit. I'm sorry, it broke the skin on the surface a little bit, but it broke my third metacarpal, and so all of a sudden, I work construction and I can't do my job. I don't have, a, I don't have my left hand. And, and that was hard. But guess what? It's, it, would be, it, it would make it even harder if my identity is in what I do. All of a sudden, I can't do what, what I'm used to doing. And if my identity is founded in that, what, what happens? My whole world is broken. Not just my hand. My whole world. My whole identity. My self-importance. My sense of value. It's all broken. And so, I'll be honest, the degree to which we experience stability or instability in the world is has to do with where we found our identity and our value and our worth. Is it in doing what we can do, what we get to do, what we are limited in doing? Is it in knowing what we know, what we don't know, our learning ability, our mind, our ability, our mental capacity, or is it in being? Let me tell you, knowing and doing come and go. They're, even, even in our best days, those things are, are limited severely limited I did some work a few years back on a uh, on a swing stage which I'm, we were literally hanging by two um, wire cords not thicker than my not, not thicker than my pinky on this big metal swing stage over almost 500 feet in the air and um totally lost my train of thought I was talking about limitation that was very limited so it was an interesting experience because 
I did have some fear approaching that. I'd never been on a swing stage. But I was literally on the stage. It took an hour to get to the top of the building from the ground. I was very limited where I could move, where I could go, even using the bathroom. I, I couldn't up there. I was limited and if I got hot and thirsty and only had a little bit of water. So it was scary. Why was it scary? Because I was limited physically. And, and approaching that limitation brought fear, which is normal. Some people can't do that stuff. It was it's too scary. But it's about limitation. It's not just about limitation. It's about is my identity founded in my ability to to move, to you know, is is the absence of limitation physically where I found my identity and my sense of freedom, my my sense of worth, and and then am I going to get frustrated when my when when my ability to move is limited, when I, my ability to do is limited, and we. We see that in the world all the time, where we get frustrated when we feel blocked and limited because our identity, our sense of self-worth is in our ability to do or to know. But those things are constantly challenged. They're constantly, we're constantly pushing up against limitations in those areas. And so we get frustrated, not because of the limitation, but because of our identity and our sense of self-worth attached to those things. But if our sense of self-worth is attached to being, that is a limitless, that's a limitless existence. Our being is never limited. We all, we are always who we are. I mean, you, you talk about, I mean, we, if you've ever read about some prison experiences or prisoners of war and just people talk about in that place, it's extremely limiting, but all you have is your soul. The people that survived, you know, Auschwitz and, and some of the, the concentration camps, the people that survived those horribly limiting and, and self-defacing um, experiences were people that understood that their true self was in being, and that self could never be imprisoned, could never be limited, and it can never be killed. There, you know, and so that's the place where we find no fear, where we find um, a stable kind of groundedness and identity that is not shaken by superficial circumstance. And so I, I think it's so important that we understand, even just on a very essential basic level, the necessity of founding our identity, our self-worth, and our value in being, not in doing and not in knowing. And man, I've, I've just even, in the last couple of weeks, began to understand this more clearly as I'm working through these models of the three centers of being and the three centers of knowing, I'm, I'm still learning. I, it's like I've been given this really good model of understanding self and personal transformation, but even I am begin, and, and just at the beginning of understanding the expansive um, nature and beauty and truth that this holds. When we know how to be and we ground ourselves in being, not in doing and knowing, then we're grounded in, the, in, the, in a place where we cannot be shaken. We cannot be disturbed and we cannot be limited. And we, so it's just, let's get practical. When you're founded in that place of identity, you're immovable. You're unshakable. Who you are is never, is never in, in flux. It's never being taken away or limited or confined. And there's such a freedom there. And that's what Christ came to teach is that, that there's a true freedom in just being who you are and not attaching your identity to these things which are limited and actually which are passing away. I mean, I, I've, I've had some really great professors 
brilliant. I, I one professor, his name was a Dr. Gerwood. He knew six languages. It's so funny. He would talk about. He's like, well, I, I, I was reading the Bible and I realized that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, so I just decided to learn Hebrew. And then I realized the New Testament was written in Greek, so I decided decided to learn Greek. And then I realized that there was Aramaic in there too, so I just decided to learn Aramaic. And I was like, who just decides to learn a whole language? <laughs> this guy was brilliant. And yet, in his later years, he experienced what everyone does: a limit, a denigration of his mental capacities. He was a very joyful, spirited person, a very childlike person. I don't think his identity was founded in his, in, in knowing. And so he could let go. What he gained, he spent his life learning. He was a professor at a college. But that wasn't his identity, and that was clear. He was a joyful person. Sometimes the pursuit of knowledge can make us very joyless, very curmudgeonly, you know, very stingy. And, and we know what's right. Nobody else knows. We can be very tyrannical and demanding people in the world when knowing is our center of purpose and value because then we're, we have to be valued by others based on what we know and if people aren't valuing us and what we know and not giving space to what we know what, what happens we become disenchanted and discouraged and and um, frustrated and angry right because we founded our identity on what we know and, and our value we value ourselves on what we know but then we want other people to value us that way. And we can't be happy if, some, if we're not getting the value and respect we deserve for what we know or what we do. We see that all the time. You know, again, people, people approach us and say, you know, do you value me? Do you, do you know what I've done? Look what I've done or look what I can do. And what they're saying is I'm a valuable person because of what I can do or what I can know. And, um, and that's just unhealthy. It leads to a lot of our own health. And so when, when people do that, it's... it's it's loving to make space for that, of course, to give them value, to, to affirm them. But we also have to, to teach people how to be in the world in the right way, in the best way that helps ground us in an unshakable place, and that is in being. So I say all that you know, as an introduction, just as a way of saying it's important to understand how being is central and how everything must flow from being. There's nothing wrong with knowing and, and doing. All those things are good when they flow from being. When they're not our identity, when our identity is in who we are, and what we do and what we know flows from that, and it is, it, it's, it works, you know. It is a freeing experience, not a limiting or a frustrating experience when we're founded in being. And from that being, we, we reach out, we learn, and we grow, and we do. Doing and knowing cannot be the foundation of our life, the establishment of our value and our purpose. Our purpose is just being who we are. The contemplative perspective, the contemplative mind understands this. This is the deepest reality of you, who you are. Whatever happens externally and circumstantially doesn't change who you are. Even death doesn't change who you are. Who you are in your spirit, in your and your truest self never changes, never dies. And it never loses. Even what you know, even if you lose your mental capacity or, phys or your physical ability to do things, it doesn't limit yourself. And you don't lose your person. And that's such a beautiful thing. I'm, you know, Who wouldn't want to learn how to be grounded in that way? And that's what the contemplative practice teaches us. But it centers on being. Who, who are you? And out of that being, then understanding what you're meant to do 
and in correlation what you need to know and learn in order to do that so I appreciate you coming along on this journey as we're learning more about all these things I think it's it can be challenging I'm throwing a lot at you these three centers of being and knowing are new ideas uh, and I can tell you I didn't come up with these ideas this has been my experience of God as God has done his work in me as a work of healing and restoration I've had to realize where I had centered myself in being in doing and knowing instead of being and and how that created a lot of my dysfunction, my anxiety, my panic attacks, my breakdown. And uh, the, basically, the system of trying to establish my value through being and knowing broke down. It didn't stop working. So I was forced to face that dysfunction and to learn a different way of being from being. And so that's been my journey. And I've, out of that, I've come to understand these three centers of being and knowing a little better, learn about them, and now I'm trying to pass that on to you and help you grow to be yourself, more yourself, to learn how to be your truest self and your healthiest self. And that's the point of, that's supposed to be the point of religion. It's supposed to be the point of Christianity. It's supposed to be what, it is what Christ taught. It's what he came to ground us in. And he, he lived in that space of being as well. He knew who he was. He knew who God was. And that's why he could stand up against all the aberrations and dysfunctional mistranslations of God and say that's not it's not God it's not what God's about it's not what God is about and what he wants you to be about so we're going to continue exploring these centers three centers of being and knowing specifically the three centers of being in these next podcasts we're going to I'm going to tackle each one individually soul spirit and body and we'll just work through and try to understand those individually and then put them all together so I appreciate you coming along and listening and taking some time um, exploring these things with me and, and just also know that that's what I'm doing. I'm exploring. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. I'm, I'm stumbling forward in this journey along with you, okay? We're all learning together. And, and I don't have it all figured out. But I'm hopefully further along in the journey and able to kind of maybe point you down the, the road on that journey too and help. And we can, you know, help each other. So um, this has been the Modern Contemplative Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori, and I thank you for coming along with me taking some time to listen and help you continue the journey. So until next time, God bless and I'll see you.